I hope everyone's Pesach was fantastic, and welcome into this week's Parshas Shemini edition of the Torah Podcast. I want to do something a bit different this week. I wanted to begin with a quick summary and synopsis of the Parsha, because of the fact that there seems like there's only really one day here to prepare for Parshas Shemini. So, and... Less than a minute, I want to run through some of the general themes before we move on to this week's idea. If you enjoy this format, please reach out, text me, email me, WhatsApp me, if we should continue doing things of this like. So Parsha Shmini begins with, it is the eighth day of the inauguration of the Mishkan. It is actually the first day of Nisan. The keys to the Mishkan to its avoda are being handed over to the Kohanim, to Aaron, his sons, and his the rest of the Kohanim. That's how the parsha begins before it takes a tragic turn to the story of the death of Nadav the Avihu, Aaron HaKohen's sons, people that were described at one point in the Torah as even greater than Moshe, Rabbeinu, and Aaron HaKohen, yet because they brought some alien fire, an Eish Zorah Lefnei Hashem, they died brutal and tragic deaths. And the Talmud and many of the commentators all grapple trying to figure out what exactly was the sin. At my count, I counted 10 separate opinions, and Rev Dessler weaves a thread, one single theme through all 10, and you can see that in Mechtav Me'eliyahu. Moving right along in Parsha Shemini. The next topic is about all the different mitzvos surrounding the Kohanim's avoda. Some, to give an example, are you cannot do the avoda, the service, while intoxicated. Pasha Shmini then moves on to go through all of the laws of kosher and non-kosher animals. And it seems that, based off of a Ramban, that Jews and people really are what they eat. There's rather frightening words from Ramchal, Mesilas Yesharim, about how we can stop up our spiritual hearts in a quite literal sense, by consuming foods that are not kosher. And right before the parsha concludes, we are treated to some rather hard-to-understand arcane laws of contamination and the transfer of contamination, be it through a dead person, a carcass, an avela, how that transfers to pots and to pans, and really, to give the idea, to give this topic real meaning and real feeling, there's an essay that should be studied from Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch Zechariah Lavracha that will give you an entirely new and pretty practical understanding of the laws of Tumah and Tyra. So now moving right along into this week's idea. The wait is finally over. The Mishkan has been completed. The Avoda is ready to begin. Moshe Rabbeinu handing over the keys to Aaron HaKohen, telling Aaron HaKohen, come close, Karav al-Amizbeach, begin the Avoda. Let's get it going. The time is here. The time is now. The eighth Pasuk of our parasha tells us that it seems like there was some delay at the beginning, at the kickoff of the inauguration of the Mishkan. Vayoymer Moshe el Aaron. Moshe said to Aaron, Karav el Hamizbeach. Draw near, come close to the Mizbeach. Reading the Pasuk 
quite literally, Rashi picks up on the fact that Moshe told Aaron, Kurav, come near. Because Aaron was, in fact, overawed. And he was ashamed to approach the altar, to approach the Mizbeach. Because, as we will see, he felt that he had a role in the making of the golden calf, the Egel Azov, and therefore Moshe had to encourage him. He had to cajole him, saying, why are you ashamed? It is exactly for this position that you have been chosen. Chosen. Rashi says, He was afraid. He was fearful. Moshe said, For this, you have been chosen. This is your life's mission. In this simple exchange, between our Torah leaders and Torah giants, we have been treated to what Revolva tells us is where our avoda, our service of Hashem begins. To bring out this idea, I'd like to pepper this exchange between these two great Torah giants with a couple yet very similar questions. Number one, why was Aaron Bosh Viare? Why was he overawed and ashamed? After all, he was Lokach Nivcharta. He was chosen for this job. Why did Aaron not see it that way? And secondly, yet very similarly, why did Moshe Rabbeinu know Lokach Nivcharta, yet he didn't see, he didn't feel that same need for Aaron to be Boish Yare? Why didn't he understand that this was a big task? Why didn't he understand that his brother had a very keen understanding of his own role? and what he needed to do, and if he was fearful, why didn't Moshe see it Aaron's way? Basically, what I'm trying to ask is, what was the exchange here? What was the back and forth? Now, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Degel Machane Ephraim's answer. This answer is also given by a lot of the Hasidic masters, that really, the Rashi reads, Shahaya Aaron Bosh Veyare Lageshes. He was humble. He was afraid. He was bashful. He didn't want to grab the keys to the Mishkan. So Amr Lo Moshe Moshe said, Lamata Bosh Lekach Nevcharta. For this you have been chosen. Not for this you have been chosen to be the Kohen, the Kohen Gadol, but rather, Lekach, because of this, your humility, your feelings of, I'm unworthy, that's exactly why leaders are chosen. And some have suggested that if they're giving away leadership roles and you're the first one at the door raising your hand saying, pick me, pick me, that's probably not a sign of the next great Jewish leader. The Ramban gives a different reason why Aaron HaKohen was delaying in starting his avoda, why he was overawed and ashamed to begin his service. Citing truly a nightmarish medrash, the Ramban explains to us that the reason that Aaron HaKohen was overawed and ashamed to begin his service, his avoda in the Mishkan, was because when he walked into the Mishkan the very first time, he looked at the Mizbeach, he looked at the altar, and he saw the Mizbeach in the form of a bull. Aaron HaKohen was filled with feelings of unworthiness. He saw the bull, which was to him, as the Ramban describes, perhaps the only sin that could be attributed to Aaron HaKohen for his part in the Egel Azov, the golden calf. So when he walked in, he felt unworthy. He felt overcome with panic. He started to literally see the Mizbeach as a golden calf, or at least the Medrash says, in the shape of a bull. It sounds like a horror movie. And the Ramban questions why did Aaron see the Mizbeach in the form of a bull? Why here? Why now? 
and two separate answers. The first one we're going to focus less on is citing a Pesach in Tehillim. The righteous keep their sins in front of their eyes in order to remind themselves of how much tshuva needs to be done, but that idea feels a little bit less relatable, and Rabbi Rucham talks about it at a different point, so maybe one day we will get to that with God's help. But the second answer is remarkable and is really the topic that I want to try to cover in this week's podcast. Says the Ramban that the Satan, the evil inclination, the Satan, he understood good and well what was happening now. He understood that the Mishkan was now ready to go, and he understood that the keys were about to be handed over to one of the holiest Jews around. He understood what would happen with all of this Kedusha in one place. The Satan understood that if Aaron Cohen was to embark on this unbelievable leadership role, it was going to be bad news for the Satan. So the Satan, the Yetzirah, came, and he began to create visions, apparitions, nightmarish apparitions at that, shaping the Mizbeach in Aaron's eyes, turning it into a bull, trying to bring out previous failures to bring down Aaron from taking up this leadership role. The Sultan came and tried to make Aaron feel unworthy. He tried to cast doubt. He tried to say, this isn't for you. Look, an Egel Azov, do you remember when you were involved in that terrible sin? That egregious hate? You have no business being the leader and the commander-in-chief in the Mishkan? And how common is this experience in our day-to-day lives? We have opportunities to steig, to grow, leadership opportunities, chances to begin and embark with large goals in mind. Yet, immediately, the Yetzirah throws into our brain real apparitions and visions of previous sins, times that you felt or did things that were probably beneath us. And therefore, he reminds you at the point of attack, at the point of change, right when you're about to take that first step, he shows you the Mizbeach in the form of a golden calf, trying to shackle you and keep you feeling unworthy so you never take that leap. He wants to lock you up. He wants to have you forsake this lofty job, this great undertaking, this large mission of Torah leadership, He wants you never to forget your previous sins. He wants you to be unable to shake off sins of old. Mental images of laziness will flood your mind at times that big opportunities present themselves. Now let us explore this topic a bit further. The Mishnah in Avos, Parakdalid, Mishnah Dalid, in fact tells us that a person should be ma'od ma'od shafal ruach, exceedingly humble. Revolba points out how rarely that those words are used together. Ma'od, ma'od, very, extremely, extraordinarily humble. So who's to say that Aaron Hakohen made the wrong decision? After all, he was Yare Vibosh. He was acting with humility. Aaron Hakohen was ma'od, ma'od, shafal ruach, remaining humble. But the question really stands on nothing. This question has a tough time getting off the ground. Because Moshe Rabbeinu told him, For this you have been chosen. A person must understand that humility, says Revolba, that all Midos, in fact, if they get out of whack, if they become overbearing, if a person's humility or any Mida at that inhibits your service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then that Mida has gone too far. And this is a very important lesson for us to keep in mind. 
Sometimes the equilibrium of our midos can get out of whack. Sometimes we can be too yore vibos. We can be too fearful and too humble. It is possible. We can become so humble that we never take up an initiative. We can become so loving of everything that we never stand up for what's right. We can become so, God forbid, distasteful and hateful that we can never learn to love. We must always find that perfect balance in our midos to help us maximize what we have in the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rav Volba concludes, if one's humility inhibits his Avedis Hashem, then he has overstepped the proper parameters of this Midah. Moshe was telling Aaron that if he was specifically chosen for this position, then this was not the time or the place for humility. In this same vein, a person must know that while humility and Yare Vibosh is an important way to live life. You cannot begin your ascendance to your potential in your life without knowing how truly awesome your innate greatness is. A person cannot study Musser until he is already cognizant of his the abundance of his positive midos. Listen to the words of Rabbeinu Yonah at the beginning of his Sefer, Share Avoda. And know that this paragraph is not Pesach Krohn or Charlie Harari speaking, but the great Rishon just telling us straight and direct how we should begin our Avoda. I quote, The very first gateway into Avodas Hashem is that one who wishes to serve Hashem must know his own worth and be cognizant of his caliber and the caliber of his forefathers and their greatness and importance and how beloved they were to their creator. He must constantly strive and strengthen himself to maintain this caliber and he should think to himself, a great and important person like myself who has lofty and awesome positive attributes, who has, who is, the son of great people, the son of kings from the past. How can I do such a terrible thing and a sin before Hashem? End quote. When a possible sin is in front of a person, he should think to himself these words from Rabbeinu Yonah, a great and important person like myself who has lofty and awesome positive attributes and who is the son of great people, the son of kings. How can I do such a terrible thing and a sin before Hashem? Unfortunately, this idea isn't very widespread. The Yetzirah is very, very strong in convincing us that we're lowly and that our potential for greatness isn't much. But what we don't understand is that it isn't future greatness that we're looking for, but it's greatness already here, innate, buried within, that we're trying to manifest. Really wondrous words from Rabbeinu Yonah. So now... Wherever you are listening to this, whichever community or city you find yourself in, think to yourself, what does the community need? What does Kalal Yisrael need? If I was to begin an organization, if I was to start a shear, if I was to give a lecture, what needs to be said, what needs to be done? Your next thought right after that will probably be some flooding of your mind of the Yetzirah telling you, forget this. Have you seen the golden calves in your life? Have you seen all of your previous sins? You will be inundated with mental images from the Yetzirah showing you previous sins. And you know what you should remember? No, 
For this you have been chosen. And Rev. Dessler tells us that in fact, a person merits remarkable heavenly aid when he takes up spiritual leadership positions. He brings a proof from the evil and wretched Menashe HaMelech, who was the 12th king of Melech Yehuda, who took the throne, assumed the throne at a mere 12 years old, the oldest son of Chizkiah. Menashe HaMelech was as wretched. He stooped so low that he actually put an idol. He put Avodah Zorah inside the Kodesh HaKedoshim. It doesn't get any worse than that. Yet still, God performed miracles for him. Yet still, Hashem brought about ten constant miracles in the base of Mikdash. Still, if a person, Rev. Dessler says, is in a role of leadership, and there is hope for him to change, if there is hope for him to do tshuva, then leaders of the Jewish people merit remarkable heavenly aid and assistance. And actually, Rav Aryeh Carmel, who translated Mechta Me'el into Striving for Truth in English, comments that Rav Dessler, at a point of his describing of some examples of people meriting heavenly aid, he actually was humbly referring to himself, to Rav Dessler himself, that in 1941, when he was starting the Gates at Kolel, there were miracles happening all the time. And while Rav Dessler felt inadequate that he shouldn't be meriting these miracles, of millions of dollars showing up exactly when he needed them and the right educators showing up at his door exactly when he needed them, Rev. Carmel tells us that really Rev. Dessler was speaking from his own personal experience. So this is Parshas Shmini's lesson to us. That sometimes we need to put the Midos back in their place. We must make sure they are arranged quite nicely. We must quit the false humility, put each Mida back into the proper place. We must put it inside its right borders. We must look for what Klal Yisrael needs us to do. We must assume leadership roles. We must, we should strive to begin shiurim, give lectures, educate, start organizations for things that you think are overlooked, that aren't being taken care of in Bnei Yisrael and Klal Yisrael. And at that moment, when you feel panic-stricken, Seeing the Egel of the golden calf and previous sins everywhere that you look. When your brain becomes flooded with nightmarish apparitions of previous sins. When the Yetzirah, the Sultan, begins to dissuade you from taking up this leadership role. You remember Moshe Rabbeinu's advice to Aaron HaKohen on that day. You remember the words, Lokach nevcharta, For this you have been chosen.